0: Welcome to the Sermon Podcast for Canton Church. We gather every week in Canton, Georgia to worship and grow together through God's Word. We exist because generations matter. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. How we doing? We good? Hey, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm awake Are you awake? If they don't seem like they're awake, just give them a good shove. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Hey, we're glad you're here. You, they, you've already heard them say, but uh, hopefully you got some coffee. You, you've been, uh, you, you kind of got some of the high-octane stuff. You don't have the, the low-octane stuff. But we're glad that you're here. You know, this is one of those Sundays where it's like the enemy's just fighting against you. I mean, really. You got the time change, and then it couldn't be like sunny for a couple reasons. One, it's a Sunday in Georgia. Uh, two, it's just the season where now we've surpassed Seattle for the most rainfall in 365 days. And then... You know three it's just it's rainy on the sunday of time change it just seems like uh but you got up you're here and i'm thankful for that hopefully you you kind of took advantage you knew that the time change was coming and so you went to sleep an hour earlier than you normally do how many of you did that Okay, good job. Well done. Well done. I am not one of those two people that raised their hand uh, in this room. Uh, we had a long day yesterday. Maybe you did as well. We got up yesterday morning early. We had a an opening day baseball parade. We had two lacrosse games. We had two other baseball games. We had two soccer. Or we had a soccer game get canceled uh, because of the weather. But we just had a long day. And so Tucker, who's our third in in the four that we have, he's the youngest boy. He plays. Just so you know, like if you don't know Tucker, Tucker plays from. Sun up to sundown, and usually longer than that. Like he is the energizer bunny. He goes all day, every day, and then wherever he pretty much stops is where he falls asleep at the end of the day. And so last night, Tucker was riding in my car. We're heading home. We had been away from the house. I was trying to do the math. We've been away from the house about 14 hours yesterday. And so we come home, we pull into the garage, and Tucker looks at me and says, Dad? I said, Yeah, buddy. He said, I am exhausted. <laughs> He's nine. I said, Tucker, I've never heard those words from you before. He goes, well, it's true. I'm exhausted. So he goes into the house. He sits down in the living room. And honestly, I looked over. I asked him a question. Like three minutes later, he was already asleep. It was like he stopped and he was asleep. Um, And so maybe you feel that way today. Maybe you're exhausted. I don't know. But we're thankful that you're here. One more story. This really has nothing to do with the sermon. But um, one more story. Uh, it's the 8.30. You get all the good stuff. So uh, last night, we were on the way home from the last baseball game, and so uh, we stopped through a fast food establishment. I won't tell you which one, but it rhymes with Schmacko Bell. And so um, we were in two different cars because we had kind of been going different directions all day, and uh, and so I was in front, and Corey's car was behind me, and so we get to the drive-through line there, and so I ordered for my car, and she ordered for her car. And so I get to the window to pay, and so I, there was a young man there that was kind waiting on me he looked like he was about 17 18 years old I don't know so I handed him my card to pay for the food in my car and uh, I said hey you know what just pay for the car behind me and so he was like okay great so he goes in he does the thing pays for the car or pays for the car behind me who is my wife obviously and so when he comes back to the window he's handed me my food he said now do you just want your receipt or do you want the receipt for the folks behind you and I, I just had that thought. You, you probably don't think this way, but I thought, I'm gonna mess with this kid. So I said, you know what? I'll just take my receipt. Why don't you give the receipt to that, that young lady behind me and let her know that I paid for her food because I think she is really good looking. <laughs> he was like, um, okay. And so I pulled up just far enough to watch him lean his head out the window and sheepishly tell my wife, that a man in front of her thought she was good looking, she just shook her head and laughed. When we got home, she said, that guy looked like he wanted to bite his tongue off. Like he was so nervous telling me, but I didn't identify myself to him as the husband. I just, I was just picking on a kid, you know, and that actually does have a little bit of something to do with the message today because I didn't identify myself. And so, over these next few weeks, we're going to talk about some core values of our church. And the first of those really has to do with what we identify and what we identify with today. And so, uh, you know, last week we talked about this idea of Because Generations Matter. We really laid out the, the vision of our church to try to create such clarity around who we are and what we're about that you would know, like, hey, if this is where you're at, if this is where you're kind of coming on Sundays and gathering with us and you're jumping into groups and you're jumping into places to serve, if you're investing your finances here, into this place. Like, you need to know where we're headed and if you're on the right train. That was kind of the illustration that we used. And I actually got some correspondence from some of you this week that said, hey, we're on the train. We're excited about it. We're ready to go. Like, we're we're excited about what God's doing. And so I'm thankful for that. And so over these next few weeks, what we want to do is we just want to continue to just kind of drive down deeper into that and create continued clarity around what we're about. And so beginning today and for the next four weeks, we're going to really talk about some core values of our church. And really the values that we hold kind of dearest to our hearts and what we believe God has called us to, to be about. What, what, uh, there's a thousand things we could do, um, but we really want to try to streamline that and say like, but what, what should we do? What, what should we absolutely focus our hearts and our attention on? And so today, right up front, I'll give you the punchline. The core value that we're talking today is the idea that we make Jesus known. We make Jesus known. I'm going to unpack that in a lot of different ways over the next few minutes, but this is one of the four core values that you're going to hear about over the next four weeks. We make Jesus known. Here at Canton Church, we exist because generations matter. And because generations matter, we make Jesus known. And what that looks like for us is, is in so many different ways how we conduct ourselves, not just when we gather, but individually as well. And so I want to just to kind of break this down before I even go to scripture, before I talk about some things, I want you to know how we landed on some of this language. So I want to break this down. The first of the four words there is we. There is a we component to we make Jesus known. There, there's a community here. There, there is a collective here. We are better. We talked about this last week. We are better when you're here. And we believe that we're better together. And the idea for us is that it's not just that you kind of go off and do your own thing and then you just show up here on Sunday because it's something to do. You're a part of the family of faith that is being built here at Canton Church, that God is growing here into an actual family of of believers and and followers of Jesus Christ. And, And I recognize in a room like this, in every one of our services all day long, there will be people who are not followers of Jesus Christ. And that's okay. What we say here is that we love you right where you're at, but we love you too much to let you stay there because what we believe is that the life lived to the fullest is the life that is centered on the person of Jesus Christ, which we'll talk about some today. And so there is a family aspect, but what you need to know is that even if you don't believe like we believe, you can still belong here. There is a place for you here to kind of work out what Scripture talks about, working out your salvation with fear and trembling. There is a place for you to really explore and and question things of faith to try to determine if that is what I believe, that is what I hope on, that is what I trust on, that's what, what I think Scripture means. And so we want you to know that because we don't want you to feel like you have to come in here already believing all of these things. And the only way for you to be a part of us, be a part of the we here, is if you agree with all of our stuff, if you know all the right stuff, if you can check off all the right boxes. No, no, no. This is a process. This is a journey that we're all on together, and some of us are farther along in that journey. Others of us are not as far along in that journey, but we're taking this journey together because there is a we here. Now, maybe you're not like me. I've been taking my kids to the dentist over the last few weeks, but because we took them for a cleaning and we realized that they've got some some cavities, and so we've been trying to correct those things and fix those things as best we can. I don't love going to the dentist myself, not because I'm scared of the drill thing or the sound or the smell or whatever. It's just like, I don't love it because I don't like the judgment I get from the dentist really is what I don't like. I brush my teeth, but it's like, even when I brush my teeth, they tell me I'm not doing it enough. And like, I don't use any more. I used to, I used to use the floss that you like wrapped around your finger and you cut off the blood circulation to the tip of your finger. I used to use that, but I felt like that was bad for my circulation. So now I use the floss sticks. I went to the dentist. They told me that was bad for me. I'm like, what? They're like, yeah, it just goes up and down. I'm like, I got to be honest, I wasn't doing a lot of side to side with my floss anyway. Like, I I think I'm doing okay. I just don't like the judgment. Well, maybe you walk into church feeling like you're walking into the dentist. Like, you're afraid you're not doing it right. You're afraid you're going to get judgment. You're afraid that maybe even if you thought you were doing well, we're going to tell you you're still not doing the right things. And what I'm telling you is that here at Canton Church, our heart is that you don't get that kind of judgment before we even know you. But in relationship with you, once you're a part of we, once we know you, we may call you to live a higher level of living. We may say, hey, there's better for you. There is something that you could do that could kind of grow you up spiritually and help you to grow in relationship with Jesus Christ. So it's not about judgment before we know you. It's about calling you higher once we do know you. And so I want you to know that there is a we aspect to we make Jesus known. Here's the second aspect of that. It's the make word. Now, the best I can tell, I'm not great at diagramming sentences. I did that in English when I was in middle school and even in high school. And you had the line and then the other lines and the little dash things and the little tree things. And, you know, you put the verbs and the adverbs and the adjectives and the nouns and the, you know, part all those kind of things. And I wasn't awesome at that. I felt like I was pretty good to pass that test. But I I don't retain a lot of that information now in my life. But I think this is the verb in the sentence. I think it is. It's an action word. It's not just that we kind of sit in this place together, it's that we do something with what we've been given. When we talked last week about Because Generations Matter, we said that you are either the first generation of faith in your family, so you've picked up the faith baton off the ground, and you are carrying it so that you have something to hand off to the next generation, Or you have been handed the faith baton and you are carrying it to the best of your ability so that you have something to hand off to the next generation. But it is an action word. This is an active process. We don't believe that life in spirit, the spiritual life is just about praying a prayer one time and then doing whatever you want for the rest of your life. We believe that this make peace is really about spiritual growth, spiritual maturity. And so for us, when we talk about we, we're talking about community, we're talking about life groups, and we're talking about serving teams and all of those. But in the make process, we're talking, uh, uh, for us, we're talking about the the idea of spiritual maturity, spiritual growth, and discipleship, which we're going to unpack in just a minute. And so my youth pastor, when I was a teenager, he used to say this phrase. He said, you're called to more than just coming to church to sit, soak, and sour well, when I was like 14, I didn't really understand that. But i got to be honest. I've met some people now that just sit, soaking sour. That's really what their life's about. And we believe it's about more than that. We believe that the making part of this phrase is about action. It's a verb. It's action-oriented. It's to get active and follow after Jesus Christ with all of your heart and to continue to grow in relationship with him. The third part of this sentence is Jesus, right? It's Jesus. Here's what you need to know Unapologetically. This church believes in Jesus. And not only do we believe in Jesus, the man that walked on the earth, who was a great teacher and a great philosopher and had some good things to say, we believe that he is who he said he was, the son of God. That he was not just a miracle worker. He was the God of miracles in fleshly form. And so I said last week when we were talking about are you on the right train, I talked about the fact that you need to know this. I'm not driving this train God is driving this train. And for us, that's important for you to know because that means that what we do is we don't just kind of make up our own ideas. We're actually seeking the wisdom of God and the will of God for our church and for our individual lives. And so we center our lives on the person of Jesus Christ and we believe that he's the son of God, the blameless sacrifice, the forgiver of our sins, the healer of our hurts, and a friend who sticks closer than a brother. All of those things come directly from scripture. We base our lives as much as we can, as closely as we can, to the Jesus of Scripture. The fourth aspect of this phrase is known. It's known. And I told you just a minute ago as it relates to being known here, we don't judge you before we know you. We want to know you. Not so we have permission then to judge you, but so in relationship we can call one another to a higher level of living. But we don't, as it relates to Jesus, we don't want to just know that there is a Jesus out there somewhere We don't want to just believe that there's some being, some deity out there in the cosmos. We don't want people just to say, yeah, I've heard of that guy. I've heard of that thing. We want to help people know him in a deep, personal way. And we believe that that's actually possible. We believe that Scripture tells us that God desires to have a personal relationship with us. The difference in in so many religions of the world is that the God of their religion, the, the deity that they worship is separated from them and their whole life is spent trying to find their way to God, find their way to whatever. And what we believe that is different about Christianity is that it's not just a set of rules and regulations of religion, but it is about relationship, that God himself made himself into human form to come to us. And that when he came to us, he lived on this earth as that blameless sacrifice. He did not sin, though he was tempted in every way that we are tempted. And then he went to the cross and he died the sacrificial death that was necessary for us to ever be reconciled back to God. And so it's not through our own effort. It's not through something that we do and how good we can be. We actually just receive the necessary work of Jesus Christ on the cross. But I got to be honest. When we landed on this phrase, and we we te- we we spent months really working through these things, what what's at the core of who we are? What do we believe? What do we what do we value with our lives? And, and here at the Canton Church, when we landed on this phrase, I got to be honest, I, I I was a little kind of turned off to it because it sounded a little bit arrogant. It's like, oh, we make Jesus known. Like up to this point in history, he hasn't been known, but now the Canton Church is on the scene. We make him known. And I was a little bit like, I don't know, that's a little bit arrogant. But then this weird thing happened. I started reading the Bible. And I felt like, as I read more of the Bible, that this just very specifically comes right out of Scripture. It comes right out of a passage of Scripture where, where God actually, through the words of Jesus Christ, He actually gives us this command to do this. This is our job. It's not an arrogant statement. I say it with humility. And hear hear me when I say this. We are God's plan to get the message of Jesus to a world that desperately needs to know him. We are God's plan to get the message of Jesus to a world that desperately needs to know him. Not just the people sitting in this room, not just the people that will sit here at 10 or 11.30 today, but we, the collective group of people who are followers of Jesus Christ, that have been entrusted with the message of Jesus Christ, collectively as a part of the big C church, not just Canton Church, but the global church, we have been given a mandate to share the message of the gospel with those who do not know him and then help those who have been exposed to that message to take next steps in relationship with him. It's found in Matthew chapter 28. It's a very famous passage of scripture. Some of you know it. Some of you could probably quote it. I'm going to begin reading in verse 18 of Matthew 28. This is what it says. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. There's some of the words that we just talked about. He's talking about you, right? So that would be the collective you, which means when we're putting it back in our, in our context, we're talking about we. We have been called. We have been commanded. We have been given the promise of his presence where he has the authority to do all the things that are necessary. We have been called to go and make, there's the same word, disciples. And a disciple is a follower of some teaching, of some person, of uh, some train of thought. You might be a disciple of Apple products, a disciple of Samsung. You might be a disciple of, you know, some famous author or, or writer. and so, you might, Because what you're doing is you're saying, hey, what they espouse to, I espouse to. What they endorse, I, I, I grab a hold of. But when we talk about making disciples of Jesus Christ, we say, well, who was Jesus? And how do I align myself with the teachings and the person of Jesus Christ? He said, so go and make disciples. The first step in disciple making is to make Jesus known to them. You go to a group of people that don't know Jesus and you say, hey, here's who Jesus is. Here's what Jesus did for you. Here's who you were. Here's what Jesus uh, created opportunity for you to become. And here's who you can become because of Jesus. And then you help people after that step to take next steps in becoming more obedient to the commands and the teachings that he laid out for us. And so there is a process here. And so he commanded us to go and make disciples, not just around the world, but across the street. He said, We are called to go, and we're going to talk about it next week in our missions meeting. We're called to go around the world. We're called to go in what we call global missions as a part of our strategy. But we also have another part of that missions process that's local missions, it's here in our community. It's the needs that exist in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in, in our business. We, we want to have a, a, a view of missions that's not just global, it's also local. It's not just local, it's also global. And so we go Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, which is what Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says. that we're called to be as witnesses and go out from where we are in concentric circles to the rest of the world. So he gives us the authority to go and make disciples. So on a practical level, what does this look like for our church? I want you to see kind of three pieces that this core value fits in our strategy for ministry here. The first of those is worship. Now, a lot of times when I say a word like worship, especially when you're sitting in a room where we just sang a bunch of Christian songs together, that's what you imagine. Worship is singing Christian songs in a room of other Christians, right? But when we talk about worship, we mean it in a little larger scale than that. I believe that worship is something that individuals participate in. Now, in a room like this, here's what that means. If there's 80 people in the room, that means there are 80 individuals who are corporately, collectively worshiping God individually together. Does that make sense? It's the idea that there's not 80 people worshiping God. There is, but there's really 80 individual people worshiping God together at the same time in the same room. And so for me, that's important. Because worship is a personal experience. I've said it before when we've been in moments of worship and singing. I've said that I don't think it matters how many other people in the room are singing if you're not singing. And what I mean is I'm not trying to devalue the other worship that's happening in the room. But I think that God is waiting on you. I think he wants you to sing. I think he wants you to worship him. And when I say worship, what I'm talking about is to declare to God what you believe about God. That's really when we're singing these songs what we're doing. Some of us are very poetic. Some of us can write in our journals and we write these very poetic things about God. And we can interchange you know, God with the name of our spouse or somebody else because it's, it's emotional. It's the affection that we feel. I love you. I thank you. I thank you for what you've done. I thank you for what you provide. Like whatever that looks like, maybe you can do that. Others of us, we struggle to be able to articulate the emotions that we feel. And so here's my philosophy about worship songs worship songs are like greeting cards right you get to walk through the store and pick out a card and open it up and read that and go i do feel that way about Corey. i'm getting this card well i didn't write that card i mean i'm going to go write with a pen my name on it xoxo jeremy like right i don't really write xo you know what i mean though right (laughs) now here's what i do just because again i've i've messed with kids at taco bell here's what i do Whatever the occasion, I get a card that is unrelated to that occasion. If it's like Mother's Day, I'll get her a card that's like, Happy Hanukkah. Like, I just, I want to kind of keep her guessing, right? I want to play a little hard to get, right? So it's like, it's her birthday, but I get her a card that says, I'm sorry your dog died. Like, I just want her to kind of stay guessing. I'm trying to keep it hot. You understand what I'm saying? And so for me, I do that by picking cards that have nothing to do with the occasion, but that's what worship is, right? You just get a song that someone else wrote, it's on the screen, and you go, wow, I really do feel like it's a beautiful name. I don't know that I would have ever thought that. I don't know that I would have written it that way, but oh my goodness, God, I feel this way about you. Love, Jeremy. That's what worship is. And so when we come together, we're talking about the idea That individually we worship God in corporate ways. But you get to worship individually anytime you want to. You don't have to wait until Steve and the band are up here singing. You don't have to wait on anybody to play guitar in front of you or, or the keyboard or drums. You don't have to wait on any of that. You can worship in your car, you can worship in your home. We, we create some playlists on some of the music services of some of our worship songs if that would help you to feel more engaged in these moments so that you know the songs that we're singing. But whatever that looks like for you, you can play all kinds of different songs. You don't even have to have music because you can declare to God what you feel about God. That's what worship is. And so when we make Jesus known, we come into this place, we're going to sing songs that make it obvious who we're singing about. There are some songs that are really good songs to sing, But we don't sing them here because we don't think they're about Jesus enough. We think they're about us too much. We think it's about making us feel good. And they're great songs and they're written by great people. But we don't want to sign our name to that card because we don't want it to be when it gets to God. He would go, I don't even know who this is about. We want to sing songs in worship corporately that are about him. And so for us, that looks like worship. So we make Jesus known through worship. The second part of that for us as a church, in a practical sense, is discipleship. Some of you may not be familiar with that word. Maybe you've never heard that word. Maybe you don't use it on a regular basis. But for us, discipleship is the process of growing closer to God. We, it's the process of becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, we believe that once you pray a prayer to ask him to be the Lord and Savior of your life, that you are entered into relationship with him for, for eternity. We believe that. that you, you have access to God now for eternity. You're in relationship with him. He's forgiven your sins, become the Lord of your life. But there is a process of really developing the character and nature of Jesus Christ in our lives. And so that may be through a curriculum, it may be through a book study, it may be through a Bible reading program, it may be through our life groups. That's really what, how we kind of flesh that out through our life groups where we, we get in community with one another because it may just be through mentorship of other relationships that call you to that higher living. It says, hey, who you claim to be and how you're living, there is a divide there. You say you're this, but you're living like this. I want to call you to a higher level of living. I want to call you to a better living that more and more reflects who you claim to be. And if you don't want to be that, then just quit calling yourself that and be who you want to be. And just kind of live the way you want. Because right now what you're doing is you're actually giving all the rest of us a bad name. So we do that through mentoring relationships. We do that in community with one another. And so discipleship looks like a lot of different things, but ultimately, it is about growing closer in relationship with God. And so let me ask you a couple questions. Are you closer to God now than you were 10 years ago? Are you closer to God now than you were five years ago? Are you closer to God right now than you were one year ago? Are you closer to God than you were six months ago? Are you closer to God than you were one month ago? And if not... Who moved? Not God. He didn't move farther away from you. So the question for me is if I'm not closer to God now than I was, does that mean I'm actually moving further away from Him? I'm not actually growing closer to Him? Not even about salvation here in this moment. It's just about am I learning about God? Am I taking God's word, which we believe is the inspired word of God, the Bible? And am I attempting to read it? I love that our students right now, Canton Youth, they're, they're, they're learning how to read God's Word. They're engaged in regular Bible study. If you, if you have a middle school or a high school student, I encourage you get them here on Wednesday nights and the monthly Canton Youth Night on Sundays. I think this month it's actually on Saturday night. So you can go to our website. You can find out through our social media channels. Talk to Pastor Casey or Haley. Like I'd love for you to get your student involved in this ministry because they're actually teaching them how to read God's Word. They're engaging them how to pick up your, your phone or, or your printed Bible and read it and how to engage God's word through the SOAP practice, which is scripture, observation, application, and prayer. I'm watching my kids kind of study God's word. I encourage you, get your kids involved in that if you can. But even beyond student ministry, like how are you engaging God's word? How, how are you spending time trusting and listening to the voice of God in your life? Are you spending time in prayer? Here's the third thing that looks like in our church, evangelism. That's a word that I grew up listening to to said in church a lot. Some of you maybe not so much. Evangelism is a word that has been distorted in a lot of different ways. It's probably been misused in a lot of different ways. But ultimately when I say the word evangelism, here's what I mean by it. Sharing your Jesus story. That's really all I'm talking about. Sharing your Jesus story. Pastor Mark, who was the senior pastor of our church as we were part of Mount Perrin North for the first few years of our existence and who helped kind of launch this. This was his original vision when we were a part of that larger church. And so Pastor Mark used to say this all the time. He said, you either have a Jesus story or you're a Jesus story in the making. I love that. I love that imagery. But what I mean about evangelism is sharing your Jesus story, just taking what God has done in you and sharing that with other people. Because it's amazing to me when I do read the Bible that what I find in there is every single person who had an encounter with Jesus was different afterwards. And so much so that they had to tell people about the change in their life. And so what you have is you have blind people who had to go tell people, oh my goodness, I can see now. You had people who were demon possessed who came to people and said, hey, you don't know how free I am now compared to what I was. There's an incredible story in John chapter 4. I don't have time to open it all up today. Jesus is talking to this woman at the well. And through that interaction, he really calls her on some things that's going on in her life and her past. And he gives her freedom over some things in her past. Really challenges her to live a different kind of life and trust him in a different way. And I love the part of that story where after the interaction, she goes running into the nearby towns. And she says this statement, come meet the man who told me everything I ever did. Come meet the man who told me everything I ever did. And so when we talk about evangelism, I recognize that some of you are like, I am just not comfortable with that. I'm just not comfortable talking to people, sharing with people, and I get it. It's a, it's a difficult thing to really be able to step out into that place of uncomfortability and just say, hey, I, I need to talk to you about something. You pray and ask God for a moment to have a spiritual conversation, and God opens that door and you step into it. And you say, hey, this may be a little awkward just going to embrace the awkwardness here, but I want to talk to you about something. You know, there's a famous magic slash comedy duo called Penn and Teller. And Penn, of that group, he's the taller one that actually talks, not the quiet one that's smaller. Penn is a famous, well-known atheist. He does not believe in God. And there's a a pretty kind of well-viewed YouTube video that I I watched from, from him several years ago. Millions and millions of people have watched this and he's talking about the fact that even though he's an atheist That after one of their shows one night a guy walks up and hands him a bible It's not necessarily the first time that somebody had done that It's not the first time somebody had tried to convert him in the video. He says proselytize him That's just get you to from from what you believe into a new way of thinking kind of convert you to to their way of thinking And so he says, you know This guy was obviously trying to proselytize me trying to convert me, but he walks up. He said he was very humble he wasn't arrogant. He just kind of walked up. He handed me the Bible, spoke to me briefly, and it's interesting to watch the face of Penn as he's talking. He's got his computer open or his phone open or whatever, and he's just talking into the, into the, the video there, and to watch the, the, the emotion on his face as he very articulately describes that even though he doesn't believe what this guy believes, the guy that handed in the Bible, even though he doesn't believe who Jesus was and who Jesus is, even though he doesn't believe those things, when the guy handed in the Bible, he was moved by it. It touched him. And the reason that it touched him is he said, I recognize that he thinks that I'm headed for an eternity apart from God. I've studied it. I've read it. I know what he thinks. He thinks I'm going to hell. And he said, I was moved that he cared enough to give me a Bible. And then he has this illustration. He said, how much do you have to hate someone that if you saw them standing in the middle of the road and a car is headed right for them that's going to kill them, how much do you have to hate someone not to tell them to change, to move, to get out of the way, not to go and save them, not to go and jump in and try to move them from the the condition that they're in? He said, how much do you have to hate someone? The idea that he's talking about there that he even unpacks a little more in the videos, he said, hey, if you believe that, how much do you have to hate someone not to tell someone, I think you're going to spend eternity apart from God. He said, I don't necessarily agree with the guy. I don't believe the same things he believed, but I was moved by his willingness to engage me. Now, I recognize when I tell that story, you have probably one of two reactions. Wow, that's a little harsh. You're telling me I hate everybody in my life. I've never talked to about Jesus. No, that's not what I'm saying. But I am saying That I believe we are called to tell people our Jesus story. Without any reservation, even if it makes you uncomfortable, I believe that I am called to challenge you and challenge myself that we cannot just exist as followers of Jesus Christ in a seat on Sunday morning. That here at Canton Church, we exist because generations matter. And because generations matter, we make Jesus known. Do you make Jesus known? Do you make Jesus known? If you're a Christ follower in the room, if you're not, I'm not asking you this question. Do you make Jesus known? How do you do that in your life? Are you willing to have an uncomfortable conversation? Are you willing to talk to people? Are you willing to engage them? And you say, well, I don't know enough. I don't know enough scripture. I don't don't know, like... The answers, if they ask me a bunch of questions, that's okay. You know the most refreshing answer they could probably get if they ask you a question from the Bible? You say, you know what? I don't know. Let's find out together. And then flip to the back and start looking at the keywords. And if it's not in there, go to Google. And if it's not in there, call the church. We'll help you. We're not asking you to do this alone. There's a we component to this. Get in a life group. Jump into a mentoring relationship with somebody that's a little further along and their relationship with Jesus Christ said, hey, here's who I am. Here's who I want to be. Help me get there. I want to get closer in relationship with God. I want to engage in personal worship. I want to really grow in discipleship and become more of a follower of Jesus Christ. I want to tell people my Jesus story. Statistics tell us this. That only 3% of Christians say that they have the gift of evangelism. But 100% of Christians have a Jesus story to tell. Like so many of us go, well, I don't have the gift of evangelism. I don't feel comfortable talking to people. I don't think God's equipped me in that way. Here's the problem. Jesus didn't say only the 3% of you who have the gift of evangelism are supposed to share it. He said, no, no, no. All authority has been given to me. Now go and make disciples to all of us. You have a Jesus story, or you're a Jesus story in the making. And here's what a Jesus story looks like. Very simple. I believe it's three parts. Here's who I was. Here's who Jesus is. And because of Jesus, here's who I am now. That's it. Here's who I was. Here's who Jesus is. And because of Jesus, here's who I am now. That's it. So it could be that the best thing that you could do coming out of today is that you just go home and you write out your Jesus story and you find a way to get comfortable sharing your Jesus story. Practice it on your spouse or your kids or your dog or your cat or in your car. like Just practice it on video to yourself and go back and watch it. And go, yeah, that's terrible. I wouldn't believe in Jesus either after I watched that. I, I got to get better. Let it be an elevator pitch. I'm not asking you to give a 14-minute presentation with slides and everything. I'm just saying like just give me the elevator pitch. Give me the 60 second version. Here's who I was. Here's who Jesus is. Because of Jesus, here's who I am now. How do you make Jesus known? How do you make Jesus known? That's what we're called to do. And Here at Canton Church, we are unapologetic that this is a core value for us. We make Jesus known. Who do you know? That's standing in the middle of the road. And eternity is headed right for them. And they're going to spend it apart from Jesus Christ. And if you love them. If I love them. I'm asking God. God help me find that open door. Create that moment. Where I can step into the awkwardness. And say hey can I just talk to you for a second. About something that's been on my heart for a little while. And just step into it. And trust that God goes before you. We make Jesus. No, I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. If you would say to me today, Jeremy, for me, I know that I need to accept him as the Lord and Savior of my life. I need to know Jesus myself. It's a personal decision for me. I've got to make it today. And I want to do that today. I don't want to let another day go by before I step into right relationship with him. If that's you, would you just lift your hand right where you're at? Thank you so much. Now, if you would say, hey, I know some people that don't know him, and I need to engage them with the message of Jesus Christ. I need to trust that God would give me opportunity to tell my Jesus story, and I want to share Jesus with them to the best of my ability. Would you just lift your hand right where you're at? Thank you so much. God, we love you today. I thank you for the hands that were lifted, those that are trusting you with their eternity. And God, I'm asking you now to respond to that, forgive their sins, lead their lives from this moment put forward. God, I pray now for every person that lifted their hands to say, I know some people. And God, I ask you now that over the next few hours even, the next few days, that God, you would help them to engage those folks, open doors of opportunity for us to have conversations. Let us step into the awkwardness, if it is awkward, And God, let us tell our Jesus story. We don't have to start with a bunch of scriptures. We don't have to start with a bunch of questions and answers. We just tell them who we were, who you are, and because of you, who we are now. And God, let your spirit go before us. And God, we pray that life change would take place. We exist in this place to make you known. We thank you for the call and the command to do so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening. If you would like more information about today's message or about our church, we invite you to visit us at cantonchurch.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash cantonchurchga.